everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, as always, and today we have a couple different stories to talk about. A couple of depressing ones, sadly, um, and a couple of, you know, a really positive, happy story. Uh, so there's a little bit of everything this uh, this show, everybody, so buckle in. It's going to be a good one. Um, as of the recording of this, though, this is uh, September 11, 2018, and it is the 17th anniversary uh, of the attack on New York. Uh, the terrorist attack that obviously changed so many things um, in our in our everyday lives, even to this day, uh, we're still fighting a war. Unfortunately, that uh, that was you know started uh, that uh, with that, and so it's it's incredible to me that uh, we 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 are going to still be fighting a war that might have people fighting in it that weren't even alive when this happens uh, in the next coming years. So it's it's getting you know, pretty wild. And the reason I brought it up is I, I, you know, everybody always remembers like, Oh, I know what I was doing that day. And, uh, and I, I had a story about what I was doing that day that that kind of pertained to gaming actually. And so I kind of wanted to share that here with everybody. And the point isn't really, this isn't really a great story. It's just, it's just a story. Um, but, uh, I remember I had to work that day. I was working at uh, GameStop. Technically it was software, et cetera, in the, in the Wausau mall. I used to work at the Wausau location and uh, I remember I had to close that day. So I had to be at work at around like 1 or one thirty or something like that. And so I, you know, I, I was going to sleep in. And like the that summer, was it that summer had come out or was it a year already at that point? I think it was a year already at that point. Um, but Diablo 2 was just like the game to play. And so I remember... I woke up and I just immediately jumped on a Diablo two and I was like, I mean, it's just what you did in the morning. I had a couple hours before work, just hop on, play some, do some bail runs or something or, or Diablo runs and, and get some loot. And I, you know, I, I log in and chat like the general chat was just cause like when you log into Diablo two, there's like a, like a general lobby that you see all this like general chat and then you could move into other rooms and stuff. And so the general chat was just lit up with, um, you know, oh, I'm I'm so sorry for everybody. You know, everybody, my hearts, and, my hearts and thoughts and prayers are with everybody in New York City. And you're like, okay, what the hell's going on? And it was like everybody. It was everybody. And then and then there was um, it was funny looking back on it now. Um, yeah, obviously not at the time, but one one of the people in chat, I remember specifically this comment he had said, you know, you know, well I'm worried because George Bush is such a cowboy. He's gonna gonna go back and retaliate and i was like what is going on and you know so i went downstairs turned on the news and you saw it and i remember just thinking like man this is and it, it was you know surreal as it was for a lot of people you just couldn't believe it something like that was happening and then my mom actually called and was like are you watching the news i was like uh yeah i just turned it on it's just crazy and she she told me because she she works earlier and uh, i was living at home at the time and uh she she um she said that, you know, they, they heard the news of the first plane crashing, so they were actually watching it, and she saw the second one. Like, she was watching the news when there was the footage of the second one crashing live, and it was, she, she I mean, I, I didn't see that, uh, but she did, and she said it was just un- unbelievable to watch um, because you almost can't fathom something like that happening nowadays. And, um, or back then anyway, you know, and it was, it, it was just, we were just rocked by that, you know, and, and, uh, so I, I drove to work like I normally would, you know, just, just heavy, you know, and you're like, what's going on? And I get, to, I remember getting to work and the mall that we worked at had decided because of what happened, you know, there were there, at that point, it was, it was interesting because at that point they were still unsure if there were going to be more terrorist attacks in other places. So, you know, and there had been something about malls were being, uh, were being to be targeted. And like, there was like this general kind of, cause it, obviously the government was like in total disarray at that point, they were scrambling to figure out what's going on. 
And I remember um, at the mall, they, they basically, there was something about that, like like malls were, were sensitive areas or something like that. And so they decided to, um, you know, the mall decided to shut down. And so they were like, okay, we're closing down the mall and just, you know, close your shops and go home. And I remember thinking like, <laughs> I worked at GameStop for 11 years and they were not a company that would let you close early. Like if that had been a store not in the mall, I'm pretty sure they would not have said leave early and go home. But the mall basically closed. So the mall kicked us out. And uh, I remember thinking like, this is just insane. Like it, it was incredible how some, a terrorist attack that happened so many miles away affected our lives here and and it still does you know when you go to the airport um i get pulled out of the airport line all the time i don't know if i have a share a name with somebody who's on the no fly list or something but i'm uh, you know security airport security getting through it's just um you know and at that time uh you know that was i wasn't uh, a manager at GameStop yet so i wasn't going to the manager conferences but after that almost the year after that and every year after that for like 10 years I was flying every year around that time because we uh, um, because we had the managers GameStop manager conference in the fall, and so it was just um, it was just like I, I already have a problem with flying, and that certainly didn't help. And I remember one of our one of the years we were flying home, and we flew home on September 11th, and it was actually kind of a touching moment um, where they asked for like a moment of silence, you know, on that day, and so everyone's there silent. And it, it actually, this this is this is an issue. I like. I guess this is kind of my fault, but I I feel like I was just totally, unfairly yelled at here. So there was this moment of silence. We all have our heads down and we're thinking about it. And it, I'm, I mean, in my head, realistically, a minute or two went by, and I was like, okay, you know. And and and, and the airport was very solemn, you know, very quiet, and it was what it was. And I remember looking over to like one of the friends I was traveling with, and I started talking to him a little bit. I was like, yeah, you know, it's September 11th, and it's really, you know, it sucks to be flying on a day like this. And then this this old lady who was like two chairs down, she just like looks at me with like the most evil grin and or the the most evil um look, not grin. She was not grinning at all. She's this evil look and she just like does this massive like shh like the angriest shush you've ever gotten in your whole life. And I was like first of all, I, I wasn't disrespecting what was going on and I was like, Holy crap, lady, like how long was this moment of silence supposed to last for? Like an undetermined amount of time. You know, they didn't come back on the loudspeaker and say, okay, the moment of silence is over. You know, they just went on with their day after observing a moment of silence. And clearly it meant something to her, you know, and I'm not mad at her, but I'm more like, like I said, it's my fault most likely. But I, I to me, it felt like we had been silent for a minute or two. And, you know, like how, how long do you dedicate, you know, to a moment of silence? But um, but I still think about that all the time and a lot of people lost their lives and, and many more people lost their loved ones and you're still seeing, seeing the effects of it today with, um, with now they're talking about how the, the people who were trying to save and rescue, uh, you know, the ones who were lucky enough not to get trapped in the buildings when they collapsed, you know, are suffering from lung problems and stuff like that. So the reason I'm bringing this up though, is, um, there's some really great, uh, charities and some really great things you can do. This time of year, on this day, I like to think about that a little bit. You know, I like to just think about uh, what else we could do um, to try to, you know, not prevent terrorism or anything because I really do believe it's just the law of averages. Like, you just, 
can't be in the wrong place at the wrong time but you can certainly uh donate um to survivors funds and you know um research funds and stuff like that um i have my it doesn't really relate to 9 11 but i have my 24-hour charity stream is coming up november 3rd so that's about two months away and we're going to be doing um the 24-hour live stream for charity we actually raise money for the children's hospital so it's not really the same thing but again just a time to like reflect a little bit i think on ourselves and uh and to make sure that you're doing all you can for other people and, and, and just, just, you know, I guess maybe be aware of the heaviness of it all. And so I'm sorry if that really is depressing to everybody. I didn't mean to start off like on that much of a rant, but I just really, it, it is an important day in our history. It's an important reminder to, uh, to what, you know, to what can happen and, and, and also a reminder to appreciate your loved ones around you and to always uh, take care of them. And that's enough about that. I'm sorry. I'll I'll move on from it. I apologize. I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to start with that. So to begin the stories, though, we have a roller coaster of emotions to begin. So it all started with something not so negative. In fact, something quite positive. It was someone had requested. His name was Tyler. Uh, he's on Twitter at topnotch1210, and he. Uh, he tweeted at Insomniac, and he said, I need your help. This may be selfish, but I'm ready to, to propose to my girlfriend and want to do it in a big way. At Insomniac Games, is there any way you could put an Easter egg of Madison, will you marry me anywhere in the game? So after some back and forth, I'm, I'm going to show the picture here. It's in the game. It's on a movie um, uh, sign. And this this is so cool, right? Like you see this and you're like, oh my God, this is cool. It's adorable. It's immortalized for all time. Here it is. And it, so the, the story goes on to say, uh, after a short back and forth, Insomniac Games' Twitter account went for it. As the account tweeted, quote, well, okay then, who are we to say no to love? And indeed, it does seem like Spider-Man would be the exact superhero to help make this kind of thing happen. The game released last week and the Easter egg of Maddie Will You Marry Me is in the game on a theater marquee. However, there's a problem. Schultz and his girlfriend broke up before the game's release. Both have confirmed to Kotaku. So um, it starts off with this incredible story. Somehow this guy gets Insomniac to agree to this, which I can't even believe in the first place, but incredible, gets him to agree to this. And then we hear this awful story of them breaking up before the game even comes out. So you're like, well, oh, man, that really sucks. And then Tyler shows up. Um, he shows up and basically says something to the effect of, you know, I like he was on Twitter and he 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 came out and said, I just want, let me see if I have it here. It's actually more of a sad Easter egg now. I'm uploading a video on YouTube explaining the whole thing. And uh, that was his tweet. And I'll be honest, it was really difficult trying to find his video. I don't know. He probably doesn't have a lot of subscribers or anything. So I found Yong Yeah did a video on this yesterday. So I used the clip that he used. He's not talking over it or anything, but I just want to give a shout out to Yong Yeah. He, it's his... It's his uh, video that I'm watching technically right now, so go check him out. But I, I didn't, I was unable to find the original source, so I'm just using this. So we're gonna listen to this video. So this is apparently, this is what happened to the young man who asked Insomniac to propose, or to put the proposal in the game. Oh, I think we're having audio issues or something here. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, technical difficulties as always. Um, why is there no audio here? What the hell's going on? 
I really hate, uh, <laughs> God, I really hate this sometimes. Why is there no audio here? What's going on? Hmm. <laughs> um, okay. I'm not really quite sure what's going on here because I should have desktop audio kicking out from, uh, this one maybe. Let's see what's going on here. Oh, wow, I don't have it. Okay, uh, I really can't explain what's going on there. Okay, so I guess we don't have it. But basically, oh, God, that sucks. That, like, ruins the whole video. <laughs> Jesus, I was going to listen to that. Um, okay, so, um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to start over this segment. So, podcast listeners, sorry, you're about to get you're about to get repeated on. But uh, I got to get this figured out because this is, like, a good part of the video I'm going to cut up for YouTube later. So, I got to get this figured out. Let me uh, get back on YouTube. So, so uh, podcast listeners, you're getting a, a great live experience here about trying to deal with uh, trying to deal with crap like this while you're doing a, a live one take recording. Uh, because I don't uh, I don't uh, cut this thing up. I don't cut this up. Um, okay, so I'm just trying to get some video going. Oh my god, I don't want that video going on. Okay. Um, man, this is gonna be really boring for all you podcasters out there. So just bear with me as I just try to find. Man, I'm just trying to find something here so I can uh, figure out why it's not playing any, why it's not playing any audio. Um, so let's see here. Okay, it's playing. Okay, so we got we got a video playing. I don't know why I don't have any desktop audio. Let's see here. All right, so I'm still going through. Oh, God, let's. Good God. <laughs> I had to find the most obnoxious music to listen to. I'm glad you guys didn't have to hear that. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, what an annoying podcast already. Like, I'm already. I'm already frustrated to the maximum here. Um, okay, let's let's get this. Come on now. That is really odd to me. Why is it not capturing the desktop audio? Now, this is something I should have tested before the podcast, of course. And I, after a while, I'll stop dicking around with this, I guess, and I'll just move on from there. But uh, let's see here. Oh, my God, turn it down even more. This is not, it's like I'm listening to this ultimate 8-bit electro gaming music mix, and it sucks. It's just obnoxious in my ears. Okay. Uh, but I thought it'd be something I could do. Um, properties. Okay. Use device timestamps? No. Okay. Speakers, Realtek audio, the monitors, speakers. Speaker, speakers, stream speaking, speakers. What is, man, this is frustrating. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Um, but all right, so I'm going to try something a little different here. So we're, we're doing this live, everybody. This is what happens when you do a live recording of a podcast. You get weird. You get weird with it. All right, so now I'm changing my headphones to the, uh, the monitor instead so that I can kick the audio out through the monitor. And we'll see if that works. So bear with me here, podcasters. I appreciate listening. This is as annoying for me as I'm sure it is for you. But 
It's just how it works sometimes in the... When you're working on live stuff, it's how it goes. So, man, all right, let's see now if we can uh, get this audio set up here. So, um, now let's switch it to... To switch it to the, the monitor. It's our Dell monitor. Okay, we got audio there. This needs to be the Dell monitor. Hey, we have it! Oh, look at that. Jesus. <laughs> that was way, that was way too much work. Okay, uh... Okay, um, so now I just have to get... Which actually, now you're gonna hear it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard that awful music I was listening to there. Um, let's mute this for now while I get to the part in the video that's important. Apparently I'm going to open up Photoshop on accident. That's exactly what I wanted to do. All right, we're almost there, everybody. Thanks for holding on, podcasters. We're going to continue a second. One second. <laughs> okay, so we're finally ready. Finally got it queued up. We got it fixed for whatever reason. It wasn't working before. Now I have it fixed. And we are uh, rolling. I'm going to have to restart this segment for the YouTube. So, again, I apologize. We're going to kick it over again. And, uh... And, uh... Here we go. Uh, so to begin, uh, the story we're going to talk about first today on the podcast is Spider-Man and this amazing proposal idea, which honestly seemed like a good idea, I guess, <laughs> until you go on to see the rest of the details. So uh, the story is uh, wedding proposals hidden in Spider-Man unravels and maybe patched out. So originally the story was a Spider-Man fan asked to have a marriage proposal put into the new Spider-Man game. Here was his tweet uh, from Tyler at Top Notch 1210. He says, Insomniac, I need your help. This may be selfish, but I'm ready to propose to my girlfriend and want to do it in a big way. At Insomniac Games, is there any way you can put an Easter egg of Madison, will you marry me, anywhere in the game? Okay, that's sweet. You know, that's cool. Um, It's a neat idea, I guess. You know, it's something that maybe... Uh, Maybe your girlfriend would be cool with um, if you've talked to her about it, apparently. Um, and so, you know, I, lo I love the idea of this. And so somehow after some back and forth, Insomniac Games Twitter account went for it. And the account tweeted, quote, well, OK, then who are we to say no to love? And indeed, it does seem like Spider-Man would be the exact superhero to help make this kind of thing happen. The game released last week and the Easter egg of Maddie, Will You Marry Me appears on a theater marquee. However, there's a problem. This is the Kotaku article. Schultz and his girlfriend broke up before the game's release. Both have confirmed to Kotaku. So um, the guy gets Insomniac to somehow put in this wedding proposal into the game, patched into it. Before the game comes out, the couple breaks up. And it was uh, it was actually Tyler on Twitter who had kind of said that. He, uh, he, he Basically, people were talking about the Easter egg, and he tweeted out, well, it's more of a sad Easter egg. I'm uploading a YouTube video now. And so I went and I found that YouTube video. Well, technically, I didn't find the actual video. I found uh, Yong Yeah did a video on it yesterday. And unfortunately, I couldn't find the original video. So I'm, I'm using Yong Yeah's video of it. But he's not talking over it, so don't worry. But uh, I just wanted to use a little bit of it here to, to get an idea of what was going on, to kind of hear what the story was from 
uh, from Tyler's mouth himself. So this this is the gentleman who is claiming that uh, that him and his girlfriend broke up uh, before. So let me I gotta unmute this now, and we're gonna play this. And here's what here yeah here we go. The thing that sucks about this Easter egg is the date that I'm making this video now, three, four weeks ago. My girlfriend dumped me to go with my brother, basically throwing away the five years that we had together and spitting in my face, basically saying this wasn't even the way that she wanted to be proposed to and, and just left me. So this might go down in history as the saddest Easter egg. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, it's definitely going to go down in history as the saddest Easter egg. Um, but you have to take what he said with a grain of salt. Every story has two sides, right? And so you listen to that initially, and you're like, well, that really sucks, man. She left him to be with his brother. I mean, yes, that's that's about as sad as it gets. Um, but there, as always, there's more to the story. So he definitely looks kind of like a sad sack there. And you feel bad for him. You know, like, obviously... He, he had some sort of sense of, like, grandeur. Like, he wanted to, I don't know, like, he, he wanted to make an event out of it. So I understand where he's coming from. Like, he, he had this big event planned. It didn't work out. However, <laughs> you know, like I said, there's always two sides of the story. So the Houston Press, which is uh, the newspaper... Uh, apparently in the area, I don't know if it's where they lived. I th Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but basically, they picked up they got an interview with the young lady because uh, they wanted to talk about, they want to get her side of the story, basically. And so the only thing I have to say first before I get into her side of the story is this Houston Press article is written by Cameron uh, Kunzelman. Kunzelman. Um, it's a little bit of an irritating article because basically he's, uh, he's, already, he's somehow jumping on this ridiculous like uh, Gamergate, all men are evil sort of wagon. Like, again, you got to hear both sides of a story before you hear anything crazy. But this is a quote from his writing. I was immediately suspicious of the story. In a post-Gamergate world, assuming we are post-Gamergate, taking any supposedly heartbroken male gamer at his word over something like this is rather naive. Well, that just sounds kind of crap, doesn't it? I mean, isn't the idea that you would listen to the evidence and then make a decision based on what actually happened? I mean, just assuming that anybody's wrong, assuming that she's obviously wrong because of this whole thing was wrong too. But I'm just saying like, it just, it just, the way this is all written, written is just really kind of obnoxious. Like as a journalist, you would think that you'd be a little more, you know, like a little more, here's the facts, but this is, this is the guy, you know, um, that, uh, you know, that, that did it. And so it's just kind of frustrating. So you clearly know whose side he's going to be on and it's fine. Um, but he did go on to say one thing I noticed in coverage of the proposal story was that no one had apparently bothered to talk to gamble about it after a few minutes of research on Facebook, a few minutes of research on Facebook. That's, is that research? <laughs> I reached out to her side of the story. So here is, um, here is her side of the story. So, uh, this is Maddie's side of the story, the, the infamous Maddie from Spider-Man. Basically, Tyler and I had been together for over five years. We started dating when I was 15 and a half and moved into my parents' house together shortly after due to unforeseen circumstances. Us moving in together so young was, I think, really hard in our relationship. We were living like the Brady Bunch with eight people in our house. Our relationship was great for a long time, but I started to realize about a year ago that I was not happy. I kept it going because I wanted to make it work, but he has done some things that I realized I really shouldn't have forgave him for. 
Don't know what that means. Our relationship had issues both mentally and physically. He never understood me, unfortunately. Uh, okay, this is getting this is getting more in depth than you probably want to hear. Uh, she goes on to say, even the proposal, which he thought was the save all of our relationship, which never was the way I would have liked to be proposed to. I never liked video games, but I sat through them because I loved him. Our relationship turned into a mother and son relationship ugh, where I had to remind him about things. I had to deal with his financial mistakes, his violent outbursts, etc. We never did things normal couples would do, like go out, dance, parties, or sit under the stars. I told him in July that we had a that he had a month to change my mind, and it didn't happen so i broke up with him i have big prospects in life and i'm a highly motivated individual but it was extremely challenging to have to be someone else's motivation to simply get out of bed or get off of his video games as far as his half brother goes the story keeps getting better uh tyler had asked him to check in on me and asked me how i was doing after i broke up with him so of course we got close and our relationship just built from there i did not leave tyler for his half brother and i have never been unfaithful to tyler End quote. So, <laughs> so that's Maddie's side of the story. So um, I feel qualified to talk about this uh, in, a, in a sense that uh, I grew up in a, in a very small hick town uh, in, in the middle of the woods. <laughs> so I understand a lot of what's going on here. But let's break this down. So they started dating when she was 15 and a half. And then they moved into her parents' house together due to unforeseen circumstances. So I don't know if... <laughs> I mean, okay, so either he got kicked out of his house or they lost their house and their family moved in with this other family. I don't know. Eight people in one house. Okay, and this isn't a mansion. Okay, imagine a house like, it's probably a house with like three or four bedrooms at most. <laughs> so just let that settle in. Our relationship was great for a long time, but I started to realize about a year ago I was not happy. I kept it going because I wanted to make it work. She sounds like she's trying to. That's A lot of people do that, and I applaud her for that. Uh, but he's done some things that I realized I really shouldn't have forgave him for. What does that mean? Um, our relationship had issues both mentally and physically. So obviously, if you talk about mentally, you talk about mental abuse, you talk about depression, you talk about anxiety. Um, but physically, that really usually relates to one of two things. So usually he was physically violent with her or maybe there was issues with them compatible like sexually or something so there certainly was a problem there physically and she goes on to say he never understood me unfortunately so that leads me to believe it might have been some incompatibility there which is unfortunate but it happens and in life you need to find that person you're compatible with however it is you are you know that's what's the key to being happy is you have to be compatible and sometimes you hang on to things because you don't want to lose them but that doesn't that doesn't mean that like you know, you're, you're compatible and you should stick together. You know, just because you've been with someone a long time doesn't mean they're the person you should be with, I guess is what I want to say. Uh, he goes, she goes on to say, even the proposal, which he thought was the save all of our relationship was never the way I would have been proposed to. Now, T uh, Tyler said that she wanted to be proposed like at a convention or something, which I don't know if that means she's into comic books and anime maybe, but not video games, which is weird. You know, like usually those things kind of go hand in hand, but not unheard of. Um, so she says, uh, it was not the way she would want. I never liked video games, but I sat through them because I loved them. Like, well, that's nice of her to do. Um, and I could see it being obnoxious, too, if, if he was all he was doing was playing video games. And clearly, she's not getting the attention she, she wants. Um, I had to deal with his financial mistakes. Um, but then this is where I, I, I chuckled a little bit because, um, you know, Tyler had asked, um, as far as his half-brother goes, so now, now we've got another story going on. So now we've got a half-brother living in the house. So now we've got multiple parents multiple uh, we got half brothers we got th this whole thing just screams like 
I don't know. It just screams like backwards <laughs> stuff to me. And like I said, I can talk about it because I lived it. Okay, so it is something. But um, it is unfortunate though that I, I, I'm I'm proud of her for saying like she has big prospects in life and she was motivated and she didn't want to motivate somebody else. She wanted to be with somebody who was also motivated. And there's nothing wrong with that. She's not a she. She should not be demonized for that. And um, so. And not that I've heard of anybody doing that, but I'm sure there's going to be some idiot out there who's tweeting or trying to message her on Facebook and trying to, like, blame her for all of this when clearly it's not her fault uh, that this happened. Um, and, and so now, as you can see, what started off as a great story about Spider-Man proposal got completely derailed into a, into what you thought at first. And in Kotaku, I'm a little disappointed in because, you know, I quote them a lot because they do some really good – they do some really good – um, reporting. Actually, I, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. So Cameron Kunzelman was the one who made the Kotaku article. Sorry. And then that was embedded in here. So this was actually written by Jeff Rauner. So my apologies. I, I made a mistake on who actually wrote the article earlier. So they, they basically just, they, they linked and they quoted the, the Kotaku article. That's part of the picture here. Um, that was my fault. I, I looked at this, like this was the headline of the article and that's actually, so basically this Jeff Rauner guy from Houston press, just took a screenshot of the Kotaku article and used that as the picture for his article. So, well, I guess it was good. He tricked me or whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, I'm a little disappointed in Kotaku though, because they, they basically quoted him saying, Oh, it's sad. And then they quote him and they didn't reach out to her. Uh, and unfortunately, so now they had to do this update where they said the idea that she left him for his brother is actually in dispute. In a message to Kotaku, Maddie said that the new relationship with his brother began after the breakup. So this is something that like Kotaku really should have done their homework on. And I think they rushed to push this story with Spider-Man buzz as opposed to getting out there, which is also funny because I'm glad all this happened now, because if this, if, if I do my podcast on Sundays, I wouldn't have had all this news either. Like everything kind of came together uh, here. So, uh, one kind of continuation on about this, though, is that uh, Jacinda Chu, who is the art director at Insomniac, has tweeted an offer to change the sign in a patch since things didn't work out in the relationship. So Schultz initially t retweeted or tweeted that he didn't want to change the sign, but then followed up that he had an idea what the change could be. Uh, and then maybe uh, so then uh, Schultz told Kotaku that he wants to replace the wedding proposal with the name of his grandmother who had passed away from cancer and helped ignite his passion for Spider-Man. She gave him his first Spider-Man comic book as well as a copy of Amazing Fantasy number 15, the first appearance of Spider-Man, if you don't know. That's a very expensive comic book, too. Uh, so um, so we'll see. I don't know if uh, if Insomniac will change it again. I don't think they should. I think you know. I think it's a part of the game, and I, I don't think they should change it to something else for him. I think they should just maybe change it to a to something else. You know, I, I think and, and I think they just learned a lesson, unfortunately, is that you don't you can't have this. And then the last thing I'm gonna say about this. I got some very good advice one day. I don't even remember where it came from. Damn, I don't remember where it came from. I think it came from. Might have came from a from from a, from my dad. But basically, I I was told very plainly and very clearly. I was told, never ask that question unless you're one hundred percent sure of the answer, and. You never, you never propose to somebody. The idea was you never propose to somebody if you don't know that they're going to say yes. And, and I think that's very good advice to live by. And I highly recommend anyone here who might be considering something like that, please, please take that advice. Because if you look in this case, Schultz, for some reason, thought 
that proposing to his girlfriend would fix their problems. And clearly there were so many other problems that need to be fixed before they could even consider spending the rest of their life together. And so that's, that's a, that's a, that's a misstep on his part, to put it lightly. Um, but I think him demonizing her for everything is bad. I think she wanted to move on. And just because she's not like a monster for this happening. And I really hope people don't go out there and do this. I, I think that'd be absolutely ridiculous of you. So please, people, please don't do it. Just understand that it was a relationship that fell apart. Uh, I'm, I mean, it's incredible that he was able to get Insomniac to do that. It's so incredible of Insomniac to do that. I mean, they went way out of their way. They stuck their necks out, and it didn't work out. They'll probably never do anything like this again. I'm sure they'll have a big thing now. Hey, should we do this? It's, don't forget the Spider-Man proposal incident. We can't have that. Um, even though it's not like Insomniac comes out looking bad in this situation, like they've done everything they could to be positive about it, and there's not like they're at fault for anything. They're not fostering any of this negativity, I don't think. It's just more, you know life lesson learned i suppose but that's it so if you're going to propose to a girlfriend make sure she's going to say yes before you ask um when i when i proposed to jenny i did it in kyoto japan and uh we were on vacation uh we were under the cherry blossoms we were along the um the the this beautiful river and um, the path of Medi the path of uh, enlightenment it's called um and it's just this beautiful area church it was just awesome awesome area but I never in a, for a second doubted it, you know, um, we, and, I mean, now part of it too, is we went like ring ring shopping, like a couple months before where we basically, I made sure she would get something she liked. So we'd looked at different things and she picked out a bunch and, um, and, uh, it was great. And, uh, Zales was great. So if you're in green Bay area, go to Bay park mall and go to Zales. They were really great. <laughs> um, but, uh, you just can't ask that question if they're not going to say yes. And I was really lucky and I'm lucky that she said yes, but I knew she would say yes because we'd had that conversation and we had talked about our lives together sometimes. And I, I'm actually a little guilty of this. Sometimes you get like so excited for the surprise that you don't care if the other person would like the surprise. You just want to be happy with the surprise of, of them being surprised. And with a wedding proposal, like that's something very special for them. And that's going to be their main memory. I, I equate it almost to the first time that, you know, if you decide to have kids, the first time your wife gets to tell you that she's pregnant. That's a very special moment for the for the guy in that relationship. Like it's going to be a surprise that you get to share with him, and he'll remember that his entire life. And so, if you're if you're uh, you know a uh, a wife or a girlfriend listening to this and you have that opportunity, don't forget that too. Like us guys sometimes put on that really tough exterior, but we 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 want that surprise too. So. Anyway, this started off about Spider-Man and it got talking about wedding and marriage and engagements and now kids. So let's uh, let's move on from it. But I just wanted to say that's my piece of advice for the week. So please, if you're going to propose to somebody, <laughs> just make sure they're going to say yes. So uh, moving on from that, then let me let me close out some of these windows. We have a good story. Let's move on to something positive. So we're going to talk about uh, the co-founder of Panic Inc., let me uh, bring this up here. So the, the co-founder of Panic Inc., uh, Cable, Cabal, Cable, um, sorry if I got your name wrong, my dude. He's co-founder of Panic Inc., and uh, he is the, uh, he is, uh, which is the publisher of video games Firewatch and Untitled Goose Game. Like, uh, uh, let's see here, sometimes writes music. Well, here here's the gentleman himself. So he shared an incredible story. On Twitter the other day, this was just really funny, and it's it's also kind of sad, but it also ends in a, in a positive note. So this is the opposite of Spider-Man. So we're we're gonna we're gonna talk all sad, and then it ends it ends well. So he shared this great story, a story. When I was 13 years old, 
pictured. My family planned a road trip to Seattle, and all I wanted to do more than anything else in the universe was visit Nintendo in nearby Redmond. So they were going on a road trip there anyway, and he wanted to go see Nintendo. He follows up to say, Nintendo was everything to me as a kid. Their games changed the way I looked at the world. That's why I open every door and press every button and spot every detail. I couldn't eat without having a Nintendo magazine to read while eating. And heck yes, I was a fun club member. And here's his uh, pictures of the fun club. Uh, I also called Nintendo customer service a lot. And he puts the Nintendo number, which still memorized and still works. So before I trip, I called them to make sure they gave tours. Quote, uh, I'm sure someone can show you around, the guy said. Awesome. So basically, he called Nintendo Customer Service to ask if Nintendo Headquarters does tours. And the guy on the phone said, sure, we do tours. Now, just playing a little bit of devil's advocate here, the person on the phone probably thought, this little kid's never going to go to Nintendo to ask for a tour. I'm fine, but just make the kid happy. You know, like, say something nice to him. Uh, but clearly a very motivated individual. So then he goes on to say, but when we got there and the whole family walked into the customer service slash repair depot, well, of course they didn't give tours. Quote, it's an insurance risk, they said. Sorry. So he was devastated. I was devastated. Uh, and then he says, two weeks ago, he was cleaning out the basement and he discovered something long forgotten. I was so devastated, apparently, that I wrote Nintendo a letter. So he wrote Nintendo a letter about the whole thing. I don't think he has a copy of that because who would as a kid writing a letter? You don't write a copy of the letter. And of course, Nintendo wrote back. So here's actually a picture of the envelope that was sent to him from Nintendo. Oh, I probably shouldn't show that. Well, he put it on Twitter, so it's probably not a big deal. He probably doesn't live there anymore. But uh, Nintendo of America, here's the level to him. And so here's here's the letter. So we're going to read this. Dear Cabal, uh, C Cable, I'm sorry, man, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. I apologize. We were pleased to receive your recent letter concerning the Nintendo Entertainment System and welcome this chance to be of service. First of all, let us apologize for not being able to give you a tour of our facilities. We understand that this must have been a great disappointment after you drove so far. We hope you understand that if word got out that we were giving tours to everybody that dropped by, we would soon be swamped by kids from all over the country. In your case, the representative told uh, you talked to on the phone was misinformed and should not have told you that tours were available. Now, on to those. Now, this is great. So that addresses that. Now, in his letter, he must have asked other questions because he seems like a curious fellow. So he goes on to say, now on to those 16-bit machines you asked about in your letter. Nintendo of America does not have any current plans to make a 16-bit system for home use in America. Uh, now, this was April 11th, 1989. We're going to do some quick, some quick, uh, some quick Googling. Uh, so in November 21st, uh, let's see, uh, August of 1991 is when it came out in the States. So if you look at the letter, August of 1991, this was, you know, it was two, it was two and a half years later that, that, uh, so I'm not going to give a hard time to them for saying this. Obviously they hadn't announced anything yet. Um, he goes now into those 16 bit machines you asked about in your letter. Nintendo of America does not have any current plans to make a 16 bit system for home use in America. Both the Famicom 8 bit and the new 16 bit systems available in Japan are totally incompatible with American games and TVs. That's not necessarily true. Uh, American games. Yeah, but you probably already knew that uh, because he he's he's definitely giving a giving credit where credit is due. This is a very quick, very, very, very smart young man he's talking to. Regarding Super Mario Brothers 3, it has been scheduled for release this spring for PlayChoice 10 coin operated machines. A version compatible with the NES has not yet been scheduled, and at this time, we have no further information on this game. 
A while ago, Nintendo announced Jump Burger as a possible future release. The game is currently in development and we have yet to schedule for production. In the meantime, the name Jump Burger has been changed to Short Order. Be sure to watch upcoming issues of Nintendo Power for information on Super Mario Bros. 3 and Short Order. I own a copy of Short Order. <laughs> it's actually a two-pack. It's, uh, it's a power pad game. Uh, it's a two-pack of Short Order and Explode, where you, uh, Short Order is like a, like you, it's like a, bur well, not burger time, I guess, but it's like you get a, an order of a burger you have to make, and each pad is a different uh, topping, and you have to jump on it in the right order. Um, so anyway, that's the, that's the letter he got from Nintendo. So this is page two. Your speculation on the relationship between Tenjin and Atari was correct. Tenjin is a wholly owned subsidiary of Atari. This kid, okay, this is this this kid was awesome. Like this, he was a smart kid. He knew what he was talking about. He read and did a lot of research. Like this, this is, I'm quite impressed by him. Uh, if you have further questions regarding Nintendo customer service, blah blah blah. Here's the little end thing they always do. Uh, and then it was Pat A. Linton, customer service representative, was who. Uh, responded to the kids. So first of all, Nintendo of America's customer service back then was top notch. Um, it was really, really nice. They were doing letters back to everybody and uh, good for them. And I think this obviously made quite the impact on this young man. And that's what you kind of do. You try to foster good relationships. And Nintendo had been doing really, really well at that time. And part of doing well, though, is is getting customers to love you for life. And that's what was happening here. Um, and he goes on to say, I can still remember the feeling of getting this letter, the feeling of being taken seriously as a kid, of having my feelings addressed and my nerdy questions answered. I felt so much better and I love this company even more. So now he says, fast forward or cut to 2018. My company is publishing Untitled Goose Game. And after a lot of discussions with a lot of nice people, we decided to debut the game on Nintendo Switch. And when they showed our trailer at the Nindies Direct and our logo followed theirs, it hit me hard. So, you know, he's talking about how his company and the Nintendo logo together. Uh, and he goes on to say, when I walked into the Nintendo booth at PAX, turned a corner and saw our game sitting right there, it also hit me hard. So he said Nintendo presents a game there that he worked on, he helped with. And then he goes, and after nearly 30 years, I finally got my tour. So here he is outside the Nintendo of America sign and here he is with his badge to get in. So again, a story that starts off really sad, like, you know, the letter comes back and says, you know, well, he, he goes to Seattle, boom, doesn't, isn't allowed in when he thought he was. Could you imagine that as a kid too? So you call Nintendo, they say, no problem. You convince your family while they're out into Seattle to go to, to go out a little bit further, go to this place. So they, I mean, his family was great. They support his idea to want to do this one thing on vacation. And then nope, like they straight up shut him down. And who knows? I don't know what happened at the facility. I know I don't know if they offered him something because it's it's a repair facility. So I don't even know if like what all resides there, if there would even be anything interesting to look at. Um, because that's what it said. He walks into the parts and repair part, which was probably the only part that was accessible to customers. You know, the rest of Nintendo was probably, you know, key carded and stuff like that. And so, man, the massive disappointment to have there. And then, and you know what I loved about that too, though, is he didn't let that hold, he didn't hold that against him. So he got back though. He writes a letter to Nintendo, not only stressing his disappointment but also asking questions being really curious and then uh and then nintendo writes him back takes all of his concerns seriously answers everything very honestly and openly and then uh you know fast for the future he never lost his passion his love for nintendo and while i can't say i have the same love for nintendo now i certainly do appreciate what they've done uh, in the past and so it'd be super cool to uh to to have this story um you know, get even more uh, publicity because this, this is one of those great stories where you just feel like good, feel, feel good story. You know, this, this stuff doesn't happen very often anymore. And, um, 
you know, a lot of times we talk about a lot of dramatic things and a lot of negative things, lawsuits, this and that. And, uh, and this wasn't one of those. This was just a great story, um, about his love for Nintendo as a kid and growing into him as an adult, him becoming a game developer and still uh, having that passion with Nintendo. Um, so I'll share a little bit of a fun story with that because I once also wrote a letter to a game company, a game company called Acclaim, <laughs> which obviously is not around anymore, but I wrote that I, I basically designed a game and I sent it to them and I said, Hey, Acclaim, uh, I don't remember what magazine it was. I think it was, uh, it was game pro or I don't think it was EGM. I think it was game pro or something, but basically at the end of the, of all of the, um, issues they had like a mailing list it was super cool they had like a mailing list of all the addresses of all the companies that you could do and i don't know why i sent it to a claim if i had to guess i was probably really on double dragon too at that time <laughs> if i had to guess um a claim made a lot of games but you know they certainly weren't the um the best publisher around and so for whatever reason i designed a game and uh i sent it to him and uh and i also got a letter back and it was uh it was awesome. And you know, the start of the letter was very similar. It was, Hey, thank you so much for giving us your game design. Um, we leave it up to our developers to make our games, but we wanted to thank you for submitting it and thank you for liking acclaimed products. And, you know, and they said, and they put me on like a mailing list. So then I would start to receive their catalogs. It was just really cool, you know, and, and no, I didn't get any insider information about anything. And I didn't even ask smart questions though. Like cable did. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't do any of that. I just was like, here's a video game I made. So that was technically the first video game I ever designed. Um, <clears throat> if I remember correctly, um, I drew these schematics up when I was uh, at, at a family vacation uh, in the Northwoods uh, at a cabin. Uh, I believe uh, you started off on the left side of the screen. You moved from left to right, uh, jumping over pits and fighting enemies. And uh, they stole your girlfriend and you had to get her back. Um, so uh, if you can imagine at the time, that was groundbreaking stuff. <laughs> from a 10 year old kid um you know and and i should make that game today because lord knows it doesn't exist um but it was it, it was a very similar story where it was just a really like to be recognized i guess to get a letter back like that was incredible and, and in this day and age yeah you can tweet at companies and you can do that sort of thing but there was definitely some magic in writing a letter and before these companies were too big and they didn't have a million people getting letters and, and being on social media, this was like a way you could be noticed. And it felt really great to be noticed, I guess is my point. So again, a great story, not mine. <laughs> my story's not as great, but uh, a great story from the, uh, from the, I think he's the, like he says that he's the co-founder of Panic Inc. And they, they uh, published the games, Firewatch and Untitled Goose Games. So I want to say he was like the designer of Untitled Goose Game too, but I could be wrong. But anyway, just a really cool story and a, and a little bit of a, a neat story about the love that someone has as a kid for Nintendo growing into an adult. All right. And then let's see. Let's get off of this. Let's get off of this. All right. And lastly, our story today, uh, we're going to talk about the Witcher Netflix TV series. So some news has been rolling out around this lately. Um, most notably was that Henry Cavill had been uh, cast as Geralt. So this is really awesome. I, I think he'll do great. Uh, you know, the he can pull it off. If you watch the new Mission Impossible, he can. He looks pretty good in a beard and, and, and the mustache that caused all the problems with uh, Justice League. You know, we call it st uh, Stashgate. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so... Unfortunately, though, out of the ashes rises some sort of um, 
a, a new kind of controversy, I guess I would say. So uh, now again, a lot of times when I talk about stories like this, I have an issue with the writers and I'm going to start with this one because this talks about what I wanted to talk about, but it, the, the, this headline is frustrating to me, right? So this, this, this was a article from two days ago, Paul Tassie at Forbes, um, uh, insert coin. So basically it says a sadly predictable storm approaches as Netflix, the Witcher looks to cast a non-white Siri. So right away, I don't like this headline because they're already assuming that there's going to be all this outrage and, and they're assuming that it's going to be people saying, Oh, you're changing my game. And this character's dumb. And I mean, and don't get me wrong. Is that probably going to happen? It could, but look, can we at least wait till outrage happens before being outraged about the outrage? Like, can we just get to that point? Like now we're writing articles saying that like outrage is coming, be ready for the outrage. I don't know. I just didn't, I did that just kind of turned me off right away. But in any case, here's the, uh, here's what we're talking about. So here's Siri. If you've never played Witcher, it's an awesome medieval fantasy game um, that was uh, based off of a book written by, oh, I can't, I had it up here and I lost it. Um, anyway, the, the, many times he is written to be, uh, he, he is uh, expressed to be like the J.R.R. Tolkien of like Polish um, literature. So this, and apparently his writing has shaped their culture and it, it's a very important to people in Poland. It's just a very big deal. It's like, it's like their biggest thing, like their biggest contribution to the world. And so the, uh, the TV show, uh, recently announced it's going to be casting a casting notice for Siri. Now Siri is pictured here. She is, um, you know, a Caucasian female with white hair and scars. Uh, the story, story wise, she's supposed to be almost like a, like a, a, a daughterish type character to Geralt, who is essentially was trained to be a witcher as well. Uh, a witcher is essentially like a medieval monster hunter. If you don't know, if you don't play the witcher games and, um, anyway, and she ends up being the daughter of a very important character who is a very big deal in his kingdom, which would mean that if he was the king of that kingdom, that that whole kingdom would have to be, you know, so you can kind of see what's unraveling here. Now, here is what, uh, the casting notice said. It is the Netflix witcher series is looking for quote, a 16 or 15 year old BAME which stands for black Asian minority ethnic girl who can play down to 13 or 14 end quote. The role is for Siri, the whitest girl of all time in the games and described as white in the books as well. Additionally, the listing actually seems to paint her, not Geralt as the lead of the show. We're looking for an extraordinarily young talent to lead the series. She should be brave hearted and must have something truly special about her. So, um, so, and this was the, uh, the cast, I think it's the casting director. Let me see. I had, had it up here. Let's see here. Um, yeah, Lauren Hisrick, uh, she said, the answer is the staff includes someone who was born in Europe, someone else who spent half her life in Central Europe, and someone whose family is Polish. But no one actually asked that. They simply took note of skin color and assumed I was filling quotas. So that's her reply to that. And she replies on to say, will I move through the book and start changing people's cultural heritage and ethnic makeup or gender because I'm feeling really quote liberal that day? No, that's ridiculous and contrary to what any writer would do because we are storytellers story comes first. So that's the, uh, the writer of the Netflix series. That's, that's her response to all this. Now that actually came out back in May. So this, this news has kind of been around for a little bit, but again, it's almost like it popped up. Like it, it came out of somewhere again. Um, his, uh, 
you know, and like here, here was a quote from somebody in the Witcher subreddit quote, I'm Polish. And here's why I think that changing series skin color is racist <laughs> is one such thread with over 3000 comments and 9000 upvotes. Um, uh, and then uh, there was another one that said, quote, this tweet didn't age well. And it shows another tweet from Hisrick where the showrunner says she wouldn't change characters heritage for no reason. Um, and so I guess what I want to say about this is. I, I never like it when you purposely dodge a character being Caucasian. So let's say that in the book she's described as white. She they People want her to be as accurate to the books and to the game, even though one thing you have to understand is that these pictures we're showing you are from the game. The Netflix series is not based off of the game. It's based off of the books. So you could argue that if the books were different than the game, then the TV series would be different from the game. Um, but what we have here is, uh, like I said, it, they're looking for 16 or 15 year old black Asian minority and ethnic backgrounds. So I'm okay with that. And in fact, they might have put this out there so that they could drum up an interest in other actresses that aren't just Caucasian. I'd like to see that because, you know, and there was a little bit of controversy. I didn't really cover this because I don't really care, but there was a little bit of controversy at PAX about a panel that riot did that was purposely uh saying no to men it was saying no men are allowed in here um i should say like no i guess technically no like binary straight men were allowed in there uh caucasian men um minorities were allowed in women non-binary folks everybody like they were allowed in because what they were trying to do is they were trying to um they were trying to stimulate what they see as a lack of those people applying they want to stimulate that. And, and I think that's good because diversity is good, right? But I think there is something wrong when you start to say, well, all we want is diversity. Be, now, what you should do and what might have happened here was they might already have an open casting call out for Siri and they're looking for the best actress. But they said, you know what? We don't have any like people um, like BAME actresses uh, aren't coming out because they think the character is only going to be white. So they're not even a trying out for the role and that's not good and that's the idea is maybe they put out a cast like a casting call for this so that you could say we want more of i don't even know if that's okay to say bame i feel like that's so like cold and rigid but like they're looking for minorities to apply so that they don't miss out on who could be the best actress possible for this role because it doesn't matter in my opinion what the skin color of the actress playing the character is as long as the actress is great so for instance i brought up a couple pictures here so one of my favorite graphic novels of all time is preacher preacher is on uh has a tv show now on fx and it's pretty fantastic so if you like the graphic novel watch it if you've never seen the or you've never read the graphic novel i suggest watching the tv show but they have a um there's a character in the preacher graphic novel named Tulip. So here you have Jesse, Jesse Custer Tulip, um, and this is her. So she's now blonde, short blonde hair, I guess brown eyes, I guess. And uh, you know, here she is. This this is her, right? Well, here's the actress that plays her in the TV show. Not anything similar looking. Um, darker skin, darker hair. Um, but I will tell you that this actress is fantastic in preacher. So it's okay. You know, you don't, you don't have to like, it doesn't have to be, here's another picture of her, right? You know? So like, like in the comic books and then here's a picture of the actress 
right? So you don't have to be, and, I, and I'm sorry for like the podcast listeners, like you're not, you know, you're not able to see that. But um, basically, I don't care how accurate it is to the source material as long as that actor does the role justice, you know? And, and I totally can respect where especially people from Poland or Polish people would feel like they want to be represented because you could argue that Polish people would be a minority when it comes to being in shows and stuff like that. Um, because I'm sure they are, but because they're Caucasian, they get kind of lumped in with all other Caucasians. So, you know, I, I can see where they might be a little bit upset about not being represented. Um, but again, get the right person for the role. Now that also means you can't exclude what might be the best Caucasian female actress of all time to do the role. If she's perfect, get her. If she's, um, black, Asian, minority, ethnic, whatever, BAME, if that's the best person, get it. And I think this is getting a little overblown because I do believe that they do this all the time. They put out the original casting for Siri. All they were getting were, you know, the, the people who could look the role first and maybe they weren't getting the people that could act the role. So they wanted to throw out and say, you know what, let's, we're not getting enough of, of non-Caucasian applicants for this role. Let's throw it out there and see what happens. And you, they might find this amazing actress, this diamond in the rough, this just hidden gem somewhere. And I think it could be awesome. So we have to wait and see. And you know what? And if they give the role to somebody and that person doesn't do the job well, I'll happily make fun of them for it. And I'll happily criticize them for it. But we have to wait and see. And you have to believe that this is going to be, you know, that the person writing it has, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. You have to give them that trust until you see what, what actually goes on. But, and again, we can't also use this opportunity as a way to just, you know, demonize and say, well, it's just men, you know, it's, it's men being racist, not wanting people. Of, that's not it either. You know, there are a lot of people who are very picky about their, you know, their, their, the history of their content that gets made to TV shows, you know? Um, like I remember specifically too, when I watched the death note movie on Netflix, which I did not like very much. It was not very good, but I actually really liked Elle's character. Now they changed him from a, like a, a, a very, um, antisocial, uh, Caucasian with like black shaggy hair to an African American young man. He, but he, he was able to get the points down in my opinion about L like he, he was, he was, you know, anxious, but he was kind of, um, OCD. He like, he, he nailed that and he nailed like, like the quirks of the character. And that actually took me, it, it didn't matter that he didn't look the same, I guess, you know? And, and so that was a part of it. And also since this is based off the book, you know, even if she's described as, as Caucasian and fair skinned and white, you know, the book we can't use this predetermined picture as you see here as what our expectations of Siri to be. So again, like, like can we just wait for it to come out before we start criticizing it? Like this, this early critic of everything is just always so frustrating. Um, let's just wait to see what happens when it comes out and hopefully it's good. And once we see who's cast for the role, we'll be able to talk more about it. And, uh, and lastly, well, I guess that's it actually. Um, not lastly, anything that is the podcast for today, everybody. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about though, as always is my game of the week. Uh, and normally I go retro with this sort of thing, tell you about things, but I can't this week. I have to talk about the best game I've played. Well, since God of war, I guess, and Spider-Man. So I'm playing the new Spider-Man game for PS4. It is incredible. There's not much I can say that hasn't already been said, though. Uh, we have every reviewer out there, 8s, 9s, 10s out of 10, 
this game's getting rave reviews. The only people that seem to be knocking it are Xbox fans that don't have the ability to play it or PC gamers who don't have the ability to play it. But the game is fantastic. Um, I, I talked a little bit about this on the Drop Rate podcast yesterday. But one of the most notable things about it is it's... I have a hard time using this word because it's it sounds negative and it's not really. But Spider-Man is a Batman Arkham ripoff. It, it, they, they took everything that you'd like about Batman Arkham, the combat system, how you traverse the city, and they basically copied it. And now does it fit better in a Spider-Man game? Yeah, technically, because Batman doesn't typically zip across the entire city on a zip line. He has a Batmobile. He has a Batwing. You know, but Spider-Man traverses the entire city on his webs, so it makes more sense in this game. But they really looked at the Arkham games and said, let's make Arkham Spider-Man. And that's what they did. And Arkham's a great game, so if you're going to rip off a game, rip off a good game. <laughs> and they did. It is very, very good. Highly recommend it to everybody. Um, I'm about halfway through the game right now. I'm going to collect everything. I might platinum in. It depends on how much fun I'm having with it. Um, but I also got to get back to Dragon Quest because I've been playing that. But Spider-Man is just awesome. As a Spider-Man fan, Spider-Man was the first comic book I ever bought. Um, and the comic I bought was number two in the Maximum Carnage storyline. So that's that's like where my comic book history started. And Spider-Man's always been a favorite of mine. Uh, him and the X-Men, Wolverine specifically, uh, are my favorite, absolute favorite heroes. And um, man, uh, Spider-Man, you know, it's, it, it's as good as you'd want it to be. Uh, combat is really, really fun. It's sharp. It's really good. Uh, it gets the job done. It does everything you'd want it to do, I guess, is what I would say. Um, yeah, it, you, got, you got to play it. If you have a PS4, you got to buy Spider-Man. It is... It could be game of the year. Right now, I'm still leaning God of War until, I don't know. I'm still leaning God of War until until I play the end of Spider-Man because Spider-Man might get me there by the end, but we'll see. Um, as always, thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. If you're listening to this on iTunes or on SoundCloud, if you could subscribe to us on YouTube, that'd be great. Um, uh, just go to YouTube.com slash... Uh, uh, I don't even know if it's the drop rate. Like, Just go search for drop rate and look for the DR logo because the other day I was trying to link it, and I'm pretty sure the drop rate takes to a different drop rate channel. So just look for, just search for drop rate or go to droprate.life, and that should link you to our YouTube channel. Jordan's got that all set up. And uh, every Monday night at around 6, 6.30, around 6.30, we do our drop rate podcast, uh, which is always a lot of fun too. That's what I kind of refer to as uh, Greg after dark. So that's where I, that's where I I guess I'm done with work and I go there after work and I've had a long day. So I'm, I'm usually a little more loose with my words. Uh, it's also not uh, it's it's definitely rated R too. So so if you, if if you're used to store Greg, which is always really um really nice and doesn't drop a lot of bad words, then uh, don't listen to that podcast. Um, but uh, you know if you want a little bit another side of me that's a little more uh, like let loose, uh, it's 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 a fun listen and you can watch it live on Twitch or you can watch them in their entirety on YouTube. Uh, and it's great to have on in the background. Um, and, and, and if you could like us and subscribe and share all that sort of stuff, subscribe to us on Twitch. Um, if you can, even a follow is great. We appreciate that. But obviously YouTube subs are great. We're getting close to 3000. Uh, we're definitely going to hit that probably if I had to say, we'll hit it maybe by the end of the month. Um, but definitely by the end of the year, we're going to hit it by the end of the month probably. And then it's just the slow, slow, slow grind to, uh, well, probably the next milestone before that I'll probably do milestones every thousand until we get to 10. And then from there, it's like, okay, from 10, then it's 20, then 20 is to 50, and then 50 to 100, and you just you just hope to keep going. Um, but anyway, thank you as always. I so much appreciate you guys. This is always so much fun for me, and I hope it's fun for you. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>